Well, Bethlehem Church, we're so glad that you are with us today. We are putting uh, a book into a great series, if you've been a part of it, uh, called Before All Things. And I'll tell you what, we've been in the midst of this prayer and fasting, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I don't know about you, but I mean, God's been really speaking to me uh, in this journey. And I think it's just so important. I cannot think of a better way to kick off 2024 than a series on prayer. But here's what we want you to know. Even though this series is on prayer, the point of the series is not prayer. Let me say that again. Even though this series is on prayer, the point of this series is not prayer. The point of this series is Jesus. That's the point of this series. And as we begin 2024, it's all about Jesus. So let me say it this way. If you've got your notes or your Bethlehem Church app, you can put this uh, in here. But here it is right here. Prayer is the how. Jesus is the why. Prayer is the how. Jesus is the why. You see, it's all about a relationship with Jesus. So why do we pray? A relationship with Jesus. What is prayer? Prayer connects us to the creator of the universe. And I don't know what your prayer life looks like, but all too often we focus so much on prayer. We, we talk about, I, I'm just not good at praying. And maybe, maybe that's you. And you're watching, you're like, I, I'm just not really good at praying. I mean, when I pray, I just kind of fumble around. Like I get easily distracted, as Pastor Jason has said the last couple of weeks. You just, you get distracted, you don't know what to pray. You kind of come back to the same things over and over again. And then if somebody were to ask you to pray out loud, you're like, no, no. Like, I don't want to sound stupid in front of a bunch of people. Because I've heard some people that can really pray, and I don't pray like those people. And then there's those people that can pray for hours. Like, they, they could pray for hours and hours and hours. And, and some of us are like, I, like, what are they praying for? Like, I, I don't know what they're praying for, but I, I don't think I have enough to talk about. And may, maybe that's you. But the reality is, here's the thing about relationships. Isn't this true? The deeper the intimacy, the easier the conversation. I want you to think about this just for a second. The deeper the intimacy, the easier the conversation. So let me take us back many years, some of us, some of us decades, to your first date. All right? If you've ever been on a first date, and most of us have, if you've been on a first date, you know the thing that you're, you're most insecure about on the first date? The thing you're worried about the most? It's the conversation. Like, you're, you're afraid, like, am I going to have enough to say? Like, what, what if I ask a question and then it just ends? Like, it doesn't keep going, and we're, we're not having a conversation here. And I'm trying to keep the conversation going. And then there's... Then, then there's the awkward silence that scares us to death, right, at first dates. I mean, the last thing you want is to go on a first date, and there's just silence. This is a true story. In high school, I once had a little cheat sheet of questions to ask that I had hidden. Because <laughs> the last thing I wanted was awkward silence on a date. All right, I could just kind of refer back to that little cheat sheet in case things got weird. But, but here's, here's the thing, and this is true, Right? When there's intimacy, silence isn't awkward. Like when you really know somebody, 
Isn't this true? You can sit in silence and be perfectly at peace. You see, it's about a relationship. And so when we talk about prayer, we're talking about a relationship. And over and over in Scripture, here's what Jesus refers to us, that he desires a relationship with us. And prayer, prayer is how we connect with Jesus in that relationship. In fact, often it's referred to, this relationship, it's referred to as, a, as, as around a dinner table. That when you're sitting down at a dinner table, what Jesus wants with us is, is like sitting down at a dinner table and sharing a meal together and speaking about our day, getting to know each other. In fact, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, here's what it says. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, and here it is, and I will eat with that person and they with me. You see, when we sit around a dinner table, isn't this true? When you sit around the dinner table, what's natural is when you sit around it with family and friends is, is to have a conversation. The, the point of a dinner table is not just physical nourishment. That's not just the goal. It's relational. It's spiritual. And I can tell you the thing that drives my wife crazy is when she has prepared a meal and we're about to sit down at the table and before we can all get around the table, one of the kids is eating. And it's not just about the prayer, okay? I mean, that, it, it's about the fact that we are not sitting to get, uh, down together. And then they're filling their stomach as fast as they can so that they can go to the room and do what they want to do. No, 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 no. Like, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I had to be excused from the table. Anybody? Can testify, right? Like, if I got up from the table without being excused, bad things were going to happen to me. Like, I had to ask for permission to get up from the table. And the thing is, is that when you're sitting around the table, the point is not, again, just physical nourishment. The point is relationship. To connect. And that's what Jesus is saying, that he wants to have a relationship with us. Last Saturday, we went with some uh, friends to dinner. and we, we were actually at their house. And the point was not lasagna. The point was fellowship, just sitting down and having a conversation together. And that's what prayer is. And here's the thing. The same is true when we pray. Jesus wants a relationship with us. And here, here's what prayer does. Prayer connects us to the power of Jesus. You see, that's what comes with the relationship, the power of Jesus. So when we pray, we tap into the power of Jesus through that relationship. And here's what scripture says about the power of Jesus. Did you know if you're a believer, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and I. And what prayer does, listen, prayer accesses that relationship, it accesses that power. So conversely, guess what? Guess what the enemy doesn't want you and I to do? He doesn't want us to pray. And the reason why is the last thing the enemy wants is for you to tap into the power of Jesus Christ. Because he knows how that turned out. He knows that the power of Jesus overcame his greatest weapons against us. And so what he wants us to do is he wants us, and this is so important, he wants us to do it in our own power. And so what he will do is he will distract you from that relationship with Jesus. 
Why? So that, so that you lean on your own understanding. So that you lean on your own power and you don't tap into the power of Jesus. You see, here's the thing we have to understand as we end this series. This is so important. Here it is right here. Prayer is not some insignificant game. Prayer is war. Prayer is not some insignificant game that we're playing. Prayer is war. And so what the enemy doesn't want you to do is he doesn't want you to be prepared when you fight or when he fights against us. I love what Dr. Tony Evans said, one of my favorite pastors. He said this. He says, prayer is not the pre-game. It is the game. It's not, it's not the pre-battle. It's the war. Every significant movement in the history of Christianity was birthed first and foremost in what? Prayer. In prayer. You see, praying in the Spirit means we can tap into the Spirit of God. And that's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, is that when we pray, we pray in the Spirit. We are activating the power of the Spirit in our lives. And I don't say this to, to scare us, but the reality is that you and I, every single day, we are in a spiritual battle. And what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants us to do, again, he wants to, to fight a spiritual battle in our own power. With our own weapons. And listen, you and I, church, we will not overcome the enemy with our own weapons and our own power. And the enemy knows that. So he wants to distract us. He wants to do everything he can do so that you don't access that relationship. Because, listen, the physical realm and the spiritual realm are connected. And so, too, so often what is happening in the spiritual realm is often a result of the spiritual realm. And there is a battle that you and I are fighting. And we got to be prepared for it. So every single day, listen, the whole point of this series, the whole point of the 21 days of prayer and fasting, it's not so that you can lose weight, okay? The whole point is that you access the power of Jesus in your life. And, and listen, maybe, because I'm old school, Maybe MC Hammer had it right, okay? Like maybe he was on to something, okay? Not about the pants, all right? But when he said, we got to pray, right? We got to pray to make it. We got to pray to make it today. I'm not going to wrap it, but we got to pray, and I'm not going to do the dance. But we got to pray. I know you're disappointed, I know. But we got to pray to make it today. Listen, you and I have to be prepared for the battle that we are facing every single day. And what that means is we have to have a strategy and we have to have a game plan. Is that if we don't have a strategy and we don't have a game plan, then we're going to be in trouble. Then we are fighting a battle in our own strength. So there has to be this intimacy that we have. Because what Satan wants to do with you and I is he wants to distract us. I think all too often what the enemy wants to do is to lure us into comfort. I think all too often, I think when he looks at America, and he looks at success, and he looks at all the things that we have, you know what, you know what the enemy wants us to feel? Comfort. Why? Because we become dependent on ourselves. 
We become dependent on ourselves. When you travel to a third world country and you realize and you see people who are living in utter poverty and they have nothing, you know what they are? They're dependent. They, they realize that they don't have anything of their own. And so, too, so often, here's what the enemy wants us to do. The enemy wants us to make us feel like, man, life is good. Like when I look around, man, life's pretty good. And isn't this true all too often that when life is really good, we don't access the relationship with Jesus? And here's what we think. Here's what we think. We think, I got it from here. But if things go bad, I'll call you. If things go bad, I'll reach out to you. But here's what ends up happening. That moment when things fall apart, and guess what? They fall apart. Amen? That moment when things fall apart and you start, you start accessing, you're trying to access this relationship with Jesus, you know what it feels? It feels awkward. It feels like there's no intimacy there. Because it's just like every other relationship in our lives. Listen, you have a spouse, and if you and your spouse aren't connecting, if you're just, if you're just getting by, and you're, you're just going through the motions and the busyness of life and all the things, then one day you may look at each other and go, I don't even know you. There's no intimacy there. There's no relationship there. And the same is true with Jesus. So the disciples knew this. And here's what the disciples did. The disciples looked at Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, like, when you pray, it's way different than how we pray. Like, you're accessing something that we're not accessing. The intimacy that you have is different. And, and listen, the disciples were good Jews. They, they knew the rituals of prayer. They knew how to pray. But here's what they knew. Their prayers fell short. And when Jesus prayed, it was different. And here's what I would submit to you. When Jesus prayed, there was an intimacy to his prayers. There was a relationship, an intimate relationship in his prayers. And his power did not come from his own divinity. He accessed the power of his Father, and he was dependent upon him. And so the disciples did what they should have done. They went to Jesus and said, hey, man, we tried our own way. Man, this is not working. Would you teach us how to pray? Would you show us how to pray? And Jesus gave us what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. But in reality, here's what it is. It's the model prayer. It's how we can pray. And so what Jesus did is he gave us a gift, and he gave us a gift to show us how to pray. It's, it's not just some ritualistic prayers. Jason says we pray over and over and over again. It, it's how we should access the creator of the universe, how we should pray. It's a gift to us. And so what I want to do is we end this series. I want to get incredibly practical with you because, again, this isn't some insignificant game. This is war. And if, if we're at war, we need a plan. We need a strategy. Because when something is really, really important, you don't wing it. When something is really on the line, you're not winging it. you got a game plan. And so what I think that Jesus gives us here is he gives us a game plan for how to pray, how to begin our day. And again, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but the reality is the model prayer. And so in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, he gives us this gift of prayer. And so I just want to end very practically this series so that you have something tangible that you can, you can begin to pray. And so here, here's what we see. Look at verse 9. So Jesus answers them. He says, okay, I'll give it to you. Here's how you pray. 
And Jason said this last week. He said, our Father in heaven, you begin this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we talked about this last week. Jason said, our Father. There's an intimacy to that, to that word there. And so what Jesus starts with this prayer is the way you and I should start in prayer. That you and I should start with a posture of prayer. And Jesus says, before you ever pray anything, there is a posture for how you should pray. And he gives it to us right here. Here's the first thing. You write this down. Pray out of dependence. Pray out of dependence. It says, our Father in heaven. Now, here's what's true of me. And it's true of many of you as well. There, there are a lot of names that people call me. Okay? Some are good. <laughs> some, some are not so good. But if you, go, if you go back to my early days and you're around my family, they call me by my full name. They call me Matthew. Whenever I'm around my parents, they, they do not refer to me as Matt. They refer to me as Matthew. And that's my name. That's the name that they gave me. There are many people that call me Matt. And again, there's other names that people call me as well or send emails uh, about me. But, but here, here's the thing. You know what my favorite name is? My favorite name is the name my kids call me, and that's Daddy. It's Daddy. That's my favorite name. Like, I, it's not even Dad. It's Daddy. Like, when they say Daddy, like, there's just an intimacy to it, right? And that word Father is an interesting word. It's actually the word Abba. And Abba translates in many ways Daddy. What's interesting about the way Jesus starts is he's saying is that we are literally to pray our daddy in heaven. And the reason why he says that is because there's an intimacy to it. But it's not just an intimacy, there is a dependence to that name. What you think about this for a second? Like there's a dependence. When, when your kids call you daddy or your kids call you mommy, Really what they're saying is there's a, there's a dependence to that name. Children are dependent. They're dependent of their parents. They can't do it on their own. They need their parents. And over and over in the New Testament, here's what you see. You see a language between this relationship between, between a father and his children. In fact, look what it says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. It says, truly I say to you. Unless you become like what? Children. Unless you become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so what Jesus is saying here is that we don't enter the kingdom of heaven unless we are sons and daughters of the king of kings. And when Jesus is saying this, this is so important. It's the reason why he uses the word Abba here. When Jesus is saying this, he is not referring to the immaturity of a child. When he talks about becoming like children, he's not referring to the immaturity of a child. He's referring to the dependence of a child. That our children are dependent on us. Your children are dependent on you, on their parents. And why? Because they don't have jobs, right? Like, we got to remind them of that. Like, all too often, my kids are like, I want this, Dad. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. And I'll say what you say. Money doesn't grow on trees. That I want. I want. I want. I want. And I'm like, listen, here's the problem. 
Like, there's only so much money to go around. It doesn't grow on trees. I borrowed it from my parents. You borrowed it from your parents. You keep saying it, right? But it's true. Like, people aren't just giving out money, okay? It doesn't grow on trees. So there's only so much to go around. And here's the thing about kids. Like, they're always wanting something. But here, here, here's my favorite thing that my kids do. Is that oftentimes, when I'm up in the room, they'll, they'll call my room their room. They'll say, hey, Dad, it's time for you to get out of my room. <laughs> no. We have to have a little reset here, okay? All right? And we'll do it with words, and if it doesn't work, I'm going to use a belt. So here's the, here's the reset. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're past that at that stage. Not yet. They don't know that, Dad. Don't tell them. <laughs> here, here's the thing. That's not their room, right? They don't have a job. They don't pay the bills. That's my room. And guess what? One day you're going to move out of my house. And you know what you're not going to take? Your room with you. <laughs> because that's my room. And you will get out of it one day, right? If not, you're going to be paying rent. That's the deal. You see, parents are, parents, this relationship there is that children are, are dependent. They're dependent on their parents. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, we have to come as a child. There's a dependence. But here's the second thing, is that we have to pray out of reverence. we got to pray out of reverence. He goes on. Again, we just read it. He says, our Father in heaven. And then he uses a term that we don't often use. And that's the word hallowed. He says, hallowed be your name. Now, that's not a word we probably use in conversation. That's not a word you texted your friends. Like, it, it's, a, it's a name that means reverence. It's that we, we honor, we bless. It, it, you, are, you are above all things. And you are before all things. And here's the reminder, here's the posture of prayer, is when we pray, we need to be reminded who we are praying to. You are praying to the creator of the universe. And this is so important. The real you has to meet the real God. Don't miss that. The real you has to meet the real God. Because we can wear our mask and our facades with other people, but you know who we can't fool is the one who made us. The one who knows us better than we know ourselves. And that the real you has to meet the real God. And nothing influences how we pray any more than how we see God. How we see God and how we refer to him matters. You see, he is to be honored. He is to be revered. And here's the thing. Don't miss this. He is to be worshipped. He's to be worshipped. And worship is so important. And let me tell you what worship does for all of us right here. Worship is a reset button for our souls. Worship is a reset button for our souls. Think about it this way. For you old school, like, gamers, okay? You got to go way back. Like, 80s gaming, okay? Before there was a save button. You remember those days? Like, before you could start back from a certain point? Do you remember... And this is crazy. Some of you, some of you are going to like freak out here. You used to actually sit down and have to beat a game in one sitting. True story. Like you couldn't save it. 
Like, there's no do-overs. Like, and here's the thing. You, ever, you remember these days? Like, if you got halfway through the game and you realized you didn't have enough lives to get to the end, you know what you did? You hit reset. You went all the way back to the beginning. You got to start all over because you're like, I'm not going to get past that guy. I only got two more lives. I got to do better than this. You had to hit reset. And here's, here's the thing about worship. Worship is that reset button. Because here's what I know about all of us. Some point or another, maybe that's you right now, we're not always winning. In fact, some of you may have come into the room that you're in, and you may have come in, and you may say, look, I'm not winning. Some of you don't want to be here today. Some of you came out of obligation. Or maybe you came to check a box, and, and when the music started, you had already decided, I'm going to put my hands in my pocket. I'm not going to worship. Not after the day I've had. Not after the news I've had. And we put our hands in our pockets in worship. But here's what often happens. Is that when the body begins singing about the name of Jesus. And when we speak the name of Jesus, it does something in our souls. And we're like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll at least take my hands out of my pocket, right? But I'm not singing. You're not going to make me sing. I know you put those words on the screen, but I'm not singing them. But then again, you know what worship does? It knocks down strongholds in our lives. And we start confessing some things as worship is going on, and we're like, okay, God, you got my attention. And then we begin to sing, and we begin to worship. And you know what happens? Our souls are reset. Why do we worship before the teaching of God's word? To reset our souls. You know why? So that we can hear Jesus speak to us. When we come to God in prayer, you know what we're saying? God, I want to hear from you. I want to worship you. You need to reset something in my soul because my soul is prone to wonder. And I want, I want to be locked in on what you have to say to me. You see, that's what happens in worship. And here's the thing. When we acknowledge God in worship, you know what we're acknowledging? God's authority to knock down the strongholds of our lives. You want to know why? Because you and I do not have the authority to do it. We don't have the authority to knock down the strongholds in our marriage. We don't have the authority to knock down the strongholds in our children. We, we don't have the wisdom to get through a day. We don't have it. You know why? Because we don't have the authority. In and of ourselves, we do not have the authority. So what we do is we, we access the authority of God. Hallowed be your name. I worship you. God, I want to access your authority in my life because your authority can fix my marriage. Your authority can draw my kids back home. Your authority can get me a job. Your authority can give me the wisdom I need in the situation that I am. You see, authority matters. You know, what's interesting, to go back to my kids, this message is mostly about my kids. So hang in here with me. You know, oftentimes I'll tell one of my kids to go upstairs and tell the other kids to clean the room. But when my kids go upstairs... If they were to just tell the rest of my kids, hey, you need to clean your room, you know what they're not going to do? Clean the room. So I tell them the same thing you tell them. 
hey, go upstairs and you tell them who. Daddy said, clean your room. Why? Because they don't have the authority. I have the authority. Barely, right? Based on what their rooms look like. <laughs> so, I'm questioning that, but you get the illustration, right? I mean, the, the name matters. You and I do not have the authority. And by the way, Jesus does not need to be reminded that he has authority. You do. You do. So here's the third thing that Jesus gives us. And this is where he begins to shift this. This is so important. He moves from how we should pray to what we should pray. And here it is, right here. The third thing is this. Pray for God's presence. Pray for God's presence. He goes on. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And see, this is so important because you and I, what we're called to do in our daily lives is to carry the power and the presence of Jesus into our daily lives. We carry the presence and we carry the power of Jesus into our work. We carry it into our marriage. We carry it where we go. And really what, what this means here is that we are called as Christ followers to bring up there in heaven down here. That we're called to bring heaven to earth in how we live our lives. And again, this is what this means, is that Jesus is saying that ordinary people, like you and I, carry the power and the presence of Jesus with us. That's unbelievable. That you and I carry the power and presence of Jesus. And I have seen the presence of Jesus move in so many different ways. In so many different places. I've seen the presence of God, presence of Jesus in the slums of India and Africa. I've seen it in ICU rooms. I've seen it in conversations with neighbors. Shoot, I've seen it in youth sports. I've also seen some other spirits too, right? <laughs> but I, I've seen the presence of God. I've seen the presence of God moving. In fact, just the other day, as I was preparing this, True story. I'm, I'm writing this out. I take a break. This part about, and I'm praying for the presence of God. I take a break and I go to the gym. I walk into the gym. True story. I walk into the gym and immediately the first thing somebody says to me is he says, can I ask you a question? Absolutely. How do you know God's will for my life? How, how do I know God's will for my life? And right there in the gym, you know what? I got a chance to share what God's word says about following the Spirit, being obedient to the Spirit of God? That's a big question, but you know what? That ordinary moment became a holy moment. Why? The presence of God was there. And you and I carry the presence of God wherever we go. But all too often, here's what we do. We divide the sacred and the secular. But here's the thing. To God, everything is sacred. Your marriage is sacred. Your occupation is sacred. Your children are sacred. Every moment is sacred to God. And so that's why this matters so much, what I'm about to say. The kingdom comes when the king becomes Lord of your life. Hang on. The kingdom comes when the king becomes Lord of your life. And so let me just stop here for just a second. For some of you listening... You are the king of your own kingdom. 
And you may pay homage to the king of kings, but he is not Lord of your life. And right now, listen, right now, here's what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, is that you have access to the king of the universe, the king of kings. And that you can invite him right now, wherever you are, driving down the road, on a treadmill, watching this, wherever you are, you can invite the king of kings to be Lord of your life. And listen, and when the kingdom comes, the kingdom comes when the king becomes the Lord of your life matters it matters you see and for many of us our spiritual issues arise when we don't realize that that we are citizens of two kingdoms that we live in two kingdoms we we tend maybe either to pursue christ and withdraw from the world or we get so wrapped up in the world that we forget that we are in christ and what Jesus is reminding us in this prayer, and what we have to remind ourselves daily, is that we have to pray for the presence of God in our lives. We've got to pray for it. Because everything is temporary, except for God's kingdom. His kingdom is eternal. And then Jesus does something in the Lord's Prayer that I think is so important to us. And it's really how we want to end this series. It's very different from what we normally do. But, but Jesus gives us what I believe at the end is this prayer of surrender in the Lord's Prayer. And when you look at it, like there's a posture of prayer, there's what we should pray, and then, then there's this prayer of surrender. And so we are going to do something as we close out this series. Is that we are going to pray three prayers together. In fact, the end of the Lord's Prayer, there's three important points. And you'll notice in your notes, they're already filled in. And the reason why they're filled in is because I want you to take your notes, but take your phones, and anything that may distract you, I want you to put it aside. And we are going to practice prayer. And so I want to invite you across all of our campuses just to stand with me. All across our campuses, if you're watching online, again, as long as you're not driving, you can stand. <laughs> and we're going to just have a sacred moment here. We're going to have a sacred moment. You see, Jesus continues on the Lord's Prayer, and here's what I think that he gives us. He says, he says this, that we are to pray for God's blessing. That we're to pray for God's blessing. What does he say? He says, give us this day our daily bread. You know what that means? That means regardless of your needs, whether big or small, regardless of where you are in life, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, it is important to pray as if you know that everything you have is a gift from God. And Scripture says that everything we have and everything we need comes from Him. It's His blessing on our lives. It's His, it's not ours. And so this is what I want us to do, just with this posture. I want us to pray for God's blessing. Again, this is a prayer that you can pray every day. 
But you can pray this as the model prayer. So I want you to just hold out your hands, just wherever you are, at all of our campuses. Just hold out your hands. And we're going to pray this prayer together on the screen. Here it is right here. And you just pray it with me. I'll begin it, and you just join in. Lord, I give you my hands. Everything I have today comes from your hands. And everything I do with my hands is for your glory. God, may my hands be your hands in the world today. And everybody said, amen. amen. And here's the next thing he gives us in the Lord's Prayer. He says, pray for God's forgiveness. He goes on, what does he say? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And what we see here is both two prayers of forgiveness. There's, there's the vertical prayer of forgiveness. That, that we, first and foremost, pray for forgiveness from the creator of the universe, the one who created us. Is that when we, we ask for forgiveness, we ask it first vertically. But listen, it doesn't stop there. We also ask it horizontally as well. What this means is that we practice this, this daily confession, this purifying of our hearts in asking for forgiveness. And so this is what I want to ask us to do. Just, just place your hands over your heart. And we're going to pray this prayer together again. So again, pray it with me. Lord, guard my heart because I know how easily it can be deceived. Purify my motives in all that I do today. And may I be quick to forgive because you have forgiven me. And everybody said, amen. amen. And here's the third thing. And this is so important. Pray for God's protection. Pray for God's protection. He finishes, he says, Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now this reads very weird to us. Because we're like, does God lead us into temptation? But really what this means is, it means do not allow us to be led into temptation. Which, by the way, we can find temptation on our own. Amen? Like, we're pretty good at that. But here's what it means. It means that every single day you and I are going to be tempted. Every day that we're tempted. And so we need to pray for God's protection. Because this is not a simple game, church. This is war. And so I want to invite you, just put your, your hands over your head. And we're going to pray this prayer together. Lord, I give you my mind. May I not believe the lies of the evil one. And may I make every thought obedient to you. Protect my eyes from the lusts of this world. Help me to look at things that are pure and honoring to you and those that I love. Allow my eyes to see others as you see them. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Stay standing. Here's what I love about this. What happens in your prayer life will come out in your daily life. And so here's what we want to invite you to do, church, as we wrap up this last week of the 21 days of prayer and fasting, is that we're going to give you access to these prayers. In fact, when you leave... They're available in the lobby. We're going to put them on our social media and also on our website. And we're just inviting you as a church. Let's just pray these prayers of surrender together. Why? Because you and I are at war. 
And the greatest gift that we have been given is a relationship with Jesus. Because through Jesus comes the power to overcome all that you face. For his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? So, Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you have not left us to live this life alone, that you have given us, you have given us first and foremost yourself, and that you have said to us that you will be with us even to the very end of the age. But God, we, we don't have to be lonely. But God, we can have a relationship with Jesus, the creator, the sustainer, the giver of life. And so with a posture of prayer, God, we worship you. So across all of our campuses, would we just end just in worship, in reverence, in honor for who Jesus is. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.